We are in the middle, believe it or not, still in the middle of this series through this incredible, magnificent book called Romans in the New Testament. Paul wrote this book to the church in Rome, and uh, we are in chapter 12 this morning. So we're going to look at the first eight verses of chapter 12. So if you have your Bible or if you want to look at your Bible on your phone, you can turn there. Before we get to Romans 12, I want to call out some pretty, again, amazing things that God is doing through this church family. Last week was awesome, and I'm not talking about the helicopter. That was like one of, you know, that was kind of low on my list of awesome. Uh, 2,000 people sat in this, in these seats through three gatherings to hear of the resurrection story of Jesus and of Tom and Melinda as they shared their story. Unbelievable. Best uh, uh, attendance that Cyprus has seen in 30 years. But y'all, it's not about attendance. It's not about filling these seats. We do this to fill heaven and to fill earth with those that are resurrected through the work of Jesus so that we can impact and bless this desperate and broken world. And what I'm even more excited about, it's not the 2,000, but it's the 26 baptisms that we've celebrated in the last two weeks. Amazing. Amazing. Four or six this week to a father and his daughter just on Friday. So, so much to celebrate, so much movement. I hope that you are encouraged by that. Even if your, your life right now, your circumstance in life may be discouraging because God's on the move. And when God's on the move, he works inside out. When the news covers all the bad stuff out there, rarely is the good news covered. And that's what we come here to celebrate, the good news of Jesus. The good news that Jesus came to change our hearts and to change our minds. We respond to his goodness. That's where we are in the book of Romans. Chapter 12 is a big page turner when Paul starts by saying, therefore. And, and, and now he's, he's getting to the rubber meets the road part. But I don't want us to miss chapters 1 through 11. Now that we're talking about the stuff that is really applicable, because it is super important. Chapters 1 through 11 sets up 12 through 16. It, it sets up this why we go, why we are change, why we live for Jesus. And again, we will see in these verses that when we follow Jesus, he changes everything. He changes the way we live. He changes the way that we think. He changes our priorities. And so here we go. I want to read the first two verses. I want to talk about how to live for Jesus, how when we, these verses teach us that we need to think differently. Uh, living for Jesus changes us. We need to respond and we need to activate our gifts. So those are our four points, but let's read this and then we'll dive in. Therefore, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
This therefore is so important. We need to look back to see where we've been to really understand where Paul is taking us. And so let's recap some where we've been in the book of Romans. We started in chapter one where we got our thesis, verses 16 through 17, that we need to be unashamed. That's what Paul writes in Romans 1, 16 and 17. Let's put that up on the board. Romans 1, 16 through 17, Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. So we, uh, we've been unpacking this idea that God is righteously righteousing unrighteous individuals. And so let's go back to the recap to see how he does that in uh, chapters, at the end of chapter one through three, we talk about the problem of sin. We'll, we'll talk more about that this morning, how our minds have been depraved. We had wrong thinking, but God in verse three said, hey, I want you to grow in faithfulness. So many things to, to, to focus on his redemption. Chapter five, the security in our justification. We've been justified by faith, not by works. And then in chapter six, we see that that changes everything. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we're actually slaves to God. And let's keep going. In chapter seven, we, we saw that God didn't, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. And so it is still incredibly important for us. In Romans eight, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And then verse nine through 11, Paul writes about this, this Jewish, these Jewish people and how his anguish for them to come to know Jesus. So we learned how to be uh, unashamed heralds and to have holy anguish for those that yet don't yet call Jesus their Lord. And then uh, last week on Resurrection Sunday, we really focused on Romans 10, 9. If we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that Resurrection Sunday happened, that God raised the Son from the dead, we will be saved. And now that is why that therefore is there. Therefore, all of that, Paul writes, I urge you. This is his appeal to us. It is important. And the first point is we need to do all of this in view of God's mercies. We need to think of all of that God has done, his mercies. Let's go to the next slide where we see in view of God's mercy, what has he done? Well, he sent Jesus for us. He has great compassion for us. Everything that we do in our Christian walk is in response to what Jesus has done for us. It is not in order to earn anything from God. And so Paul's writing, make sure that you are thinking of all that you have done. This word is important because our minds are powerful and whatever we think about will actually consume our priorities and dictate how we act. And so his, this first point is important. We need to be viewing God's mercy. See, in Romans 1.21, Paul writes, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him because their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Whatever we put our mind to will dictate what we do. And so where our thought space is, is incredibly important to Paul. It's incredibly important to 
God? What are we viewing? What are we watching? Maybe that show that we've been binge watching on Netflix needs, we, we just need to cut that stuff off. Maybe the amount of time that we spent scrolling on our phones needs to be cut off. What am I thinking is my first question to us this morning. I thought about this question on Monday. A friend invited me to his place. He has a pond, and I wanted to take my boys fishing. And so i uh, greatly, you know, thankful for the opportunity. Uh, I, I, he let me use the mule, and so I, I got this mule, and we went down to the pond. And do you remember all that rain that we just had? Well, my thinking was, hey, I think it's dried because the sun is kind of out. Well, that was wrong thinking. That's what ended up happening. I thought that the ground was dry, and uh, that's where my futile thinking ended. It ended up, I ended up in a rut. Now, I want to also just say my two boys, no, no care in the world. They're fishing. They're good. Not their problem, my problem. Thanks uh, be to God for good friends to get you out of ruts with chains and tractors. So we were able to get the mule out. But how do you put a mule through that? I mean, that is just how bad thinking uh, that I was under. Let, let 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 me just say this to you, though. It's better for you to ask this question, what am I thinking, than somebody else asking you that question. What are you thinking? So let's be asking ourselves, what am I thinking? What am I spending my thought my, my thoughts on where is my mind in this season right now? Is it in view of God's mercy or is it in the anxieties and stress of my circumstance or the world right now? Here, it's so important, Paul, this, this idea of thinking that, that he says this in Philippians 4 verses 8 through 9. He says, hey, if you have any stress, any anxiety, the first thing that he says is take it up to God, pray about it. And then he says this in verse 8. And nine, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, can we say this together? Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What am I thinking? Am I thinking about the bad or am I focused on this good news of Jesus? Am I thinking about the things that are praiseworthy? Am I putting them into practice? That's our next point, to respond wholeheartedly, to, to, to think of all that God has done, think of it, and to respond wholeheartedly. In Romans, uh, in verse 1, it says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We gather here on Sunday mornings. My hope is that we are able to connect with the Lord. We, we, we are able to, this is such a privilege to meet like this on a Sunday morning in this beautiful place and, and really be in God's presence with God's people. It's amazing, but that's not it. We're, we're not just to respond here on Sunday morning. We're to respond with our whole heart. We're to offer God our whole lives as a living sacrifice. Pastor Charles Swindoll says that we are to be sacrifices that jump off the altar, not just stay on the altar. We are to jump off and live 
for God. Jesus in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, he says, we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Question uh, for, for us this morning is what's keeping me from going all in, from offering God my whole life? I love what Tom shared last week in his testimony. He, he talked about struggling with control, and then he said, it's funny, when, when, I, when I released control to God, I actually gained control of my life. Jesus said, if you are willing to lose your life for my sake, you will find it. You will find true life. And so what is keeping me from going all in with God? What's keeping us from making Sunday morning a priority? What's keeping us from getting plugged into a community group where we're able to walk life with people? What's keeping us from making that next step and getting baptized or, or coming in on Monday nights to our prayer ministry team so that they can cover us and, and pray for us or, or meeting with a community group leader or a pastor to talk about that serious sin issue or addiction that is holding us back. What's keeping us from going all? And see, when we receive good news, it's really hard <laughs> to keep it to ourselves. It, it requires a response. It requires an outward expression of some way. Last summer, Taylor and I, we celebrated 10 years of marriage, and I decided, brilliant thinking, again, my mind just on, just on. I, I, I decided to take my four kids with me to the jewelry store, same store that I bought her engagement ring to buy her another piece of jewelry. Some of you were already laughing, I know. And so I show up to the store with my four kids, uh, eight, six, four, and three at the time, and I'm thinking it's gonna be great. Well, first of all, I get these very judgmental stares when I come in. You know, like, what are you thinking? <laughs> and, and then quickly, I recognize why they were judging me, because they were right. What was I thinking? I mean, their hands on the glass, just running around, you know, except the girls excited, the boys just see shiny things and, and, and are looking around. And so anyway, we make it quick, and, and I show them the ring, and I said, hey, keep this a secret. <laughs> So we get home, and it doesn't take Taylor two seconds to walk through the door. Our, our, our little boy, he said, Mom, Mom, Dad bought you something in a black box. And she said, what? And I said, what was I thinking? And, 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 and so I gave her the ring right then and there. The response that, that he responded, it was good news. He was excited about it, and then he couldn't, couldn't hold it and sometimes we allow the worries and the stresses of this world to, to keep us from offering God our whole life. Listen, the good news is that he already gave it up for us. We're just responding to him. We are to be living sacrifices. Third, we need to change our mind. We have bad thinking that we need to change. Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need God's perspective, not our perspective on every matter. Here's the problem that I see right now. I see a lot of people outside of the church that are very willing to change, but they're not willing to embrace Jesus. And I see a lot of people in the church that are willing to accept Jesus, but unwilling to change. 
Some of us have been coming to church for a long time, and we're still dealing with things that Jesus is wanting to transform in our lives. Following Jesus means being renewed up here, being completely transformed in the way that we think and in the way that we live. And the more that we live that out, I guarantee you, others will notice and they'll say, I'm curious. You really did change and you didn't even go have to go through all of this other worldly stuff. You were just changed by the man. Excuse me, Jesus Christ. See, our minds change. Whether we think they are changing or not, they are changing. Either we are conforming to the patterns of the world or we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, Neuroplasticity is a scientific fact now that our brain has the ability to establish new neural pathways after trauma, after hard things that we live. We can actually rehab the brain to bridge some of the void and, and change the way that we think. I'm not going to get into that whole process, but what I'm going to get to is that's a pretty new scientific discovery. These words have been written for thousands of years. And so, of course, our minds can change. We've been told by God's word that they can. The question is, are we conforming or are we transforming? My question for us this morning, am I becoming more like Jesus or like the world. Is my worldview more like those out there, or, or, or is my worldview one of Jesus, where, where, where we are fully submitted to him and his way of life? Which leads me to my final point. Paul writes, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect well, we need, to, we, need, we need our minds to be changed because we need to activate our gifting. We've all been given th- this gift called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to rest in our hearts and, and give us confidence and, and, and wait till we die so that we can go to heaven. No, the Holy Spirit wants to renew us, refresh us so that we're activated here and bring his kingdom here on earth right now until Jesus comes back. That's the mission that we are on as his body here on earth. And this, this is so key because when we read this good, pleasing, and perfect will, oftentimes we think of the big decisions in life, the job, who we're going to marry, whether we're going to move, those, those big, in our mind, they're the big shifts that happen. And they are big. I don't want to take away from that. But God is actually really interested, maybe more interested, in these small thoughts and actions of our daily lives. And and so when we think about what God's will is, I want to encourage us to think about the small ways that we are either honoring him or dishonoring him in our lives. Let me uh, give you two verses, one from Jesus and then one from Paul to the church in Thessalonians. Jesus says this in Luke 16, 10, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. I want to Zoom in on God's will right now, right now. A decision that you can make right now. Paul makes it clear in 1 Thessalonians. He says this, this is the will of God. If you've ever wondered, what is the will of God? Here it is, your sanctification. 
becoming more like Jesus. That's it. Everything else falls under that. He calls out sexual immorality here. He's saying that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles, not, the, not in the conforming to the patterns of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what, he, well, what he's saying is holiness is what God is after. And those uh, pieces fall in every decision, thought that we have. And, 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 and the question is, again, are, are we activating the Holy Spirit in us to change those? Or, or are we choosing to go our own way? Here is another problem that we have with God's will is we, we tend to think of it as an individual sport. We, we, we tend to think of our lives as a solo concert where we're the only ones here on stage trying to perform, and then at the end, God's going to say, hey, you did really good, or you know what, that wasn't good at all. The reality is, is that this is a symphony. We're called to live life as a body, as a family, as a whole, and each of us has a key part to play in it. That's what he goes on to write in Romans, and this is how I want to close with these few verses. Verse three, for by the grace given me, Paul's talking about the authority that he's been given as an apostle. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For each of us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. It's not about us. The church in Corinth also had the same issue. And so Paul writes about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. They thought that it was an individual sport. We have individual faiths. We have individual journeys, but we are to come together and work together so that we can accomplish God's purposes here on earth. Verse six, he talks about different gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Uh, Here are seven gifts that Paul writes about. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. That is both foretelling and forth telling. So telling what is to come, but also telling what God is doing now. If it is uh, serving, then serve. That, that's the gift of hospitality. That's the gift of caring for others. If it is teaching, then teach. That's simply talking about what the Bible is saying and calling us to do. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. We need this gift right now, encouraging people to continue to follow Jesus. If it is giving, then give generously. That's self-explanatory. That's giving of our time, talents, and treasure. If it is to lead, do it diligently. That is administering the work of God here on earth. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Man, again, the gift of mercy, this this gift of uh, compassion that, that is able to meet people in their brokenness and in their hurt. I uh, love this phrase, the teamwork makes the dream work. And that's Paul, what is, uh, that's what he's going after. He's saying, hey, together, when you are activated as a body, you will make my dream work here on earth until I come back and make all things 
new. Here are uh, two other verses. I made a list of the two other chapters that talk about spiritual gifts. It's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. This isn't an exhaustive list, and what I want to encourage us to ask is not what is like my only spiritual gift or, or things like that. I, I want to ask, what is, what is a need that, that I'm aware of that, that maybe I can try to, to be activated and meet that need? Because again, this isn't a solo sport, and it's more important to operate in our Holy Spirit gifting than it is to actually know, meaning it's better for me to encourage just naturally than to preface that with, hey, I have the Holy Spirit gift of encouragement, so let me encourage you. Or I have the Holy Spirit gift of service, so let me serve you. It's not about me. It's, it's about God, and, and we're just to operate in them. Question for us, what's God asking me to be faithful with? right now, God's will to be activated in my gifting right now. For some of us, that's just, hey, be that mom and that dad that you can only uh, be for your kids or, or grandparents or, or uh, plug in to a need that the church has back there in, student, in kids' ministry or student ministry or uh, serving here on Sunday morning, multiple ways to meet needs are we activated. Here's what happens when we are all activated in our spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, 16 says this, God, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. I think about what we celebrated last week, the resurrection of Jesus, which brought a lot of people here in this room, outside also. That's fantastic. But this is the goal, for the, for the, for the body to be working so that we will be healthy and growing and full of love. What would happen if hundreds of us would truly think about all that God has done and, and that we would respond to it by offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, be changed in the way that we think and be activated in our spirit. Let me just tell you, this world, this community, our cities would look radically different. Let's pray. Lord, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I pray this morning that as we close, as we contemplate your word and, and these questions, Father, that, that we would hear from you, that we would know how to respond. And I thank you for this place that you've given us to meet on a Sunday morning on a weekly basis. I, I pray, Lord, that, that we would hear from you before we walk out of these doors. I thank you, Jesus, most of all, for the good news that we have to hold on to, that you became man so that you could pay the price for our sins so that we would spend eternity with you and not separated from you, starting right now to forever. And I want to open it up and welcome anyone in the house that has yet to say yes to Jesus. Know that you have an opportunity right now as we gather 
simply in your seat, you can say, yes, I surrender to you, Jesus, and call you my Savior and my Lord. Surrender my life to you and receive the gift.